I'd invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 13. And let me just read to you a parable that Jesus shared in a series of parables. I think it'll be one that is familiar to you. As I just enter into the next part of this, and we think about 2020, there would seem to be it'd be fitting to be able to tie this together with what we want to be about. In Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Jesus is equating the kingdom of heaven Knowing him, knowing God, as a treasure that is discovered. And when that treasure is discovered, this man here in verse 44 is willing to joyfully sell everything to possess it and to go after it. Because now he has found what he is truly looking for. And this is the heart, I think, of what it means to be a Christian to pursue Christ as he is that treasure. Now that is very different than I think of what people often think about church and Christianity. Just this week I was watching this little video by Danica Patrick interviewing her boyfriend, maybe you've heard of him, Aaron Rodgers. And she was asking him about religion. And I listened to his characterization of Christianity. He grew up in a a Christian youth group where it was good. But then over the years, his view of Christianity is that of following rules. And that Christianity is very narrow, like there's a group that's in and there's a group that is out. And as I listened to him kind of talk about that, I thought, this dear man does not understand the gospel of the scriptures that really what we have here is a relationship and that Jesus is to be treasured more than anyone or anything else. He is to be our pursuit. So as I lay out these ten goals, and I realize that if I spend five minutes on each of them, that's going to be a long message for us this morning, isn't it? And so I want to be be careful. I want to pause on a few of these, and then maybe we just read over a couple of more. I can think of when I became pastor, whatever that was, nine months ago, eight months ago, I had lunch with one of a a pastor friend that I've come to really respect and admire. And as we were sitting down for lunch and we were about ready to eat, he said, Chad, if I could give you one piece of advice, unsolicited advice for this first year of your ministry, it would be this. Don't make any dramatic changes. And you know what? That is advice that I've heard since the days I began seminary in ministry. Is that when a person begins a pastorate, that they spend that first year really loving the people, spending time with them, getting in their homes. And hopefully you've seen that. Hopefully I've been in some of your homes and many of your homes. And and hopefully you've seen me in your Bible study classes that meet at 9 o'clock. And there was certainly a period of time where I came intentionally and said, if if there is something, a question you have, or if there is an insight that you would like me to know about Highland Crest, would you please 
let me know. And so I've wanted to be with you and observe, even though I've been connected to Highland Crest for, for several years. I thought that was good and sound advice. So as we turn the corner here, and we are now in 2020, I just want to highlight a few different things. And I don't know that any of these are going to be very radical. I wouldn't necessarily say this is the vision as much as this. These are some emphases that I want to place for this coming year. So let's look at these and we'll just go in order. Number one, I'd love for us to strengthen our prayer ministry by creating a prayer team and praying more strategically in the morning service and in the Wednesday evenings. Maybe you remember uh, in the book of Acts where there was a seeker whose name is nameless. It was an Ethiopian eunuch. And, and as he was reading the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, he was struggling to figure out what does this mean? The scripture says in Acts 34 and 35, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. I think there are times where someone could be sitting right there in these chairs, and, and there could be someone preaching the word to them, and, and, and it's clear to them, but they're not exactly sure how to apply it in their life. So what I'm advocating for the year 2020 is that a prayer team be established. Something similar to what we had during the Christmas musical or cantata, where there would be some people that are employed, men and women that understand the power of prayer. They have a clear conscience. They have confessed their sin prior to a Sunday morning. They understand the value of God's word and, it, and it's standing there right in their hands at the end of a, of a, as a message. They have the essentials like a, a breath mint or something like that. And, and at the end of that message, and I could say, or whoever's preaching, there are people around here that are a prayer team. And you can see that they have a badge there. At the end of this message, I would encourage you to go. And if you, if you want prayer or if you have a question about how to apply this message, they are there for you. And these people would be able to pray and apply that scripture to them in their life, just as Philip did there in Acts 8. It could be that there would be some that say, I need to talk further about this. Well, we have a room with some real comfortable furniture right over here. Let's, let's take some time. It could be that prayer team would say, you know what? I think, I think someone else ought to talk with you further. Maybe you can make an appointment with Pastor Chad, and, and that could take place as well. I believe Pastor Jim has, has set this table for us. He has, he has prioritized prayer for us over the years, and I believe we ought to continue with that. I want to suggest that during these Sunday mornings that we would pray even more strategically. There could come a time on a Sunday morning when we say, you know, I've just got a burden for our single parents within our church. Could we take time right now to pray for them in our church? Or maybe our widows, or maybe our, our student ministry, or, or that, that group of people from ages 20 to 30, 35, that, that there is a gap within our church. Could we just pause and let's pray for them? Or maybe the missionaries that we support, whether in China or Africa. So the first goal here is to strengthen our prayer ministry. The second goal is to increase 
participation in Bible studies. When I say Bible studies, I mean that gathering that meets at 9 o'clock, 9 to 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. We call that Sunday school. Now, we don't keep a lot of records here at church, but there are two that we do keep. We keep the records of our Sunday morning attendance as well as our Bible study attendance. And currently, as I look out before me, approximately 63% of you are in a, a small group Bible study. And thank you for doing that. I think when we read the scriptures, we see Jesus had a small group. He had 12 disciples. We see in the book of the New Testament where we see this love one another, greet one another. We believe that is in the context of some gatherings, whether meeting in a home or some other building. What I would love for us to do is to see that percentage increase to, say, 75%. Now, how could we do something like that? Well, I hope that this morning is the first of 51 Sunday mornings where you are encouraged to find a Bible study to meet in. But I also want to share with you something I think is very exciting. About a month from now, in February, it'll be the Sunday after Super Bowl Sunday. We will have seven days to celebrate another Super Bowl here in, in Packerland, right? In early February, there are going to be three different Bible studies that will be meeting in people's homes. One of those will be up in the Pulaski area, where Ron and Judy Slippy and Mel and Jean Zimmerman will be hosting. Another one of those Bible studies will be kind of in that downtown area that could reach the east side as well as west side, and that's Rob and Sharon Lang and Ramon and Jessica Hamer. And then Melody and I will host another Bible study there in the Howard Hobart area. Now, who is encouraged to attend these? It's really those who are not currently in an adult Bible study on Sunday morning. It could be that you teach our children or you teach our students. Well, Perhaps you have a longing for fellowship yourself and you'd like to be in a Bible study among other peers to encourage you in your walk. This would be for you. It could be that at this point in your life, maybe you've tried Sunday school and it hasn't been a good fit for one reason or another. Well, we want to encourage you to participate in one of these home studies. These home studies will meet from February to May. And then there'll be a summer break. And if the Lord wills, if the Lord blesses, perhaps there would be more than three studies that we would begin in September to December of 2020. It would be exciting to see by December of 2020, not just three groups, but maybe four or five groups. And if, and if that were the case, I believe we could go from 63 to 75%. And why would we do this? Just so we No, it's because we see that when we are involved with a group of friends that are reading the scriptures together, that are praying with one another, that are encouraging each other, that are looking out for one another, you are much more likely to grow as a Christian. You are much more likely to participate in the local church. You are much more likely to to share the gospel with others. And when a crisis happens, you will be able to minister to one another. And that's what the church is designed to do. So the second goal is to increase our participation in small group Bible studies. I could go on for this for another 25 or 30 minutes, but I'm going to operate with some self-restraint here. Number three is to take at least one international mission trip. Acts 1 
And if the Lord wills, beginning next week, we'll just begin a study through the book of Acts. Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus gathered the disciples and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And I have been excited to, to, to personally be able to share the gospel with people. And, and we've been doing that for years here at Highland Crest. And, and you've been doing that for years as well. And we want to do that at a local level. But I think for a balanced church, we also want to consider that at a global level. Praise the Lord that we have been giving financially for that. But if I were to make a list of five of the most significant events in my life that have stretched me and caused me to grow as a Christian, on that list would certainly be in 2001 when I stepped out in faith and went to China on my first mission trip. I asked my wife last night, I said, if you were to make a list, a short list of the most significant events to increase the maturity in your life, would that mission trip to India, would that make that list? And she said, it certainly would. If the Lord wills, we can connect with a man named Moses Mividor, who has been a missionary in Senegal for years. We know Moses, we've been to Senegal before, but now he is in a different location. And Moses is in a location where, where the fields are white unto harvest. I spoke with him on the phone about, I don't know, a month, two months ago. Then he shared about going to some islands. And it's there where he shares the gospel that people are actually receiving the gospel. And he's talked about planning a church and he just needs workers to go. And I'm just telling you, I believe that would be healthy. I believe that would be wise for us to participate in something like that. I look at my boys here on the second row, and I say, I, I would love for them to be in a church that by the time they graduate, they'd have went at least on an international mission trip to see God at work, to see that God is not just an American suburban God, but he is a God even of the jungles. And I think that would be wonderful for us. So if the Lord wills, maybe sometime this spring, there would be a group of us that would go, I'll call it a vision trip, because that's what he calls it. Explore the possibility of, of setting up mission there in Senegal. And I'll give you full disclosure. That Moses is a great man, but he's actually going on furlough from July to December. So we might get one trip in and there might be a lull. But we could still get that trip in. And Lord willing, in 2021, we could build on that. Fourth goal. To have eight members of our church attend an event called the Biblical Counseling Training. I think when you came in this morning, you got a bulletin. And in that bulletin, there is some information about that. As I look around me this morning, and if I know Highland Crest... You are acquainted that God's word is breathed out and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. And the answers to life's problems are found in the scriptures. You, you agree with Hebrews 4.12 that says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it actually discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And you're probably acquainted with the problems that surround us are, are enormous and are complex, but they can all find solutions in the gospel, in, in the scriptures. And when I candidated before you a year ago, I said, I believe we ought to have an emphasis on, on taking people 
and seeing if they'd be willing to get some basic training and some counseling principles. Well, there's a wonderful church down in Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana. It's called Faith. And for decades, they equip people like you and I to learn the basics on how to counsel one another. And an amazing thing has happened in recent years. One doesn't need to drive down to Lafayette for this training. For the last couple of years, they've been coming to Green Bay. And they've been coming to Spring Lake Church downtown. Last year, there was myself and three other church members that attended that. There were four of us that attended some training. And would to God that that would double this year. Would some of you say, you know what? I have a heart to disciple. I have a burden for families. I have a burden for marriages. I have a burden for for parenting. I have a burden for a friend of mine that's struggling with some sort of a, a binding sin. And I would love to have a better handle, better equipment on how to minister to them. Well, there's some information there in your bulletin about that. And I actually have a stack of these right here that is an even more comprehensive and it tells the cost of that. And I would love it if we could have at least eight that would go to this. This is over three different weekends. A weekend in March, a weekend in April, and a weekend in May. A Friday night and an all-Saturday event. I've personally received this training. I can vouch for its orthodox teaching It would be wonderful if God would put it on some of your hearts to participate in that further. Let me give you a fifth goal. I mentioned this the last time we had Baptism Sunday, and I just put ten baptisms. If we are to focus on the Great Commission, we cannot ignore baptism. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure I need to make so much of this, but, and I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm not trying to just get numbers so like we can feel good about ourselves. But isn't there value in, in praying, God, would you grant us 10 lives changed this year that we would see evidence of the gospel working in people's lives? It could be that we, within this room, there are people that have been Christians for a long time and you have yet to get baptized. And you would follow him in baptism this coming year. Number six, hire a staff person for ministry. I can remember the, the, the times that I was interviewed or the times that I stood before you down here and, and you had a chance to ask questions of me as I candidated as the pastor. Many of those questions had to do with staff. And, and maybe you're still like, why haven't we hired a staff person? And that's a good question. But I mentioned to you earlier that there is a group of men that are praying. Sometimes we sing and, and sometimes we confess sin early on a Friday morning. And, and my heart has been, let us get some alignment. Let's get some clarity as how God is leading us in the coming years. And once that is in place, then let us seek a man of God that can help drive that. Rather than say, man, I'm I'm losing more and more hair. We need to get someone to come in here and and help us with this process. And then that gets straightened out. And then we say, well, this person is not best suited for that. Let's take our time and let's get the right person. Number seven is to develop a comprehensive plan for our church building. And you might say, Ted, this is the very same things that you were mentioning a year ago. And it is. 
And may God lead us. We have uh, Leon Mills as now our, our building and grounds chairman, and this is one of the things that we have talked about. What a great tool God has given to us in this facility. He has given to us a wonderful location. And, and, and this lectern, the chair that you sit in, this, the speakers, they are not ours. They are the Lord's. He has allowed us to possess them for this period of time, to be able to use them for the purpose of equipping, to be able to be sent out, to be disciple makers. And may we sense the Lord's leading. How can we maximize the use of this building and this land that he has given to us? Number eight, increase Sunday morning worship attendance. And this might be a little controversial. And, and, and if it is for you, then I actually get it. And maybe you've heard of gimmicks. Maybe you've heard of a pastor that gets up and says, uh, three Sundays from now, I want this section completely filled. And, and if it is, then I'll get in a dunk tank. That's not at all what I mean by this. Or, or I tell you what, if, if you get a guest to come to this particular event, we'll give you a Culver's gift card or a Best Buy gift card. That's not at all what I'm referring to. But just praying, God... Would you add your blessing? Would you add your blessing on this church that we might see souls saved, that we might be able to go out and, and share the gospel or to be able to see people that, that need to be discipled and they can be discipled through the ministries here of Highland Crest. That's, that's all I mean here. And, and, and quite frankly, it, it's been a while since we've seen an increase. And all I'm saying is wouldn't it be wonderful to have that? might ask, well, how, how could we do this? I'm going to ask you to do something. Actually, right in this moment, uh, you don't have to do anything strange here, but consider the people around you, not, not physically, but consider the friends that you have here that live locally, that live within driving distance of Highland Crest. I mean, if you could just make a list of co-workers, people who live across the street, or maybe even relatives that are, one, not Christians, and or, two, do not attend a Bible-preaching church. If the Lord wills, next Sunday when you arrive in this auditorium, you're going to see two different cards on every chair. And what I'm going to ask you to do during that morning service is to take one of those cards and to write three names on it. And that would serve as your bookmark. And I would just encourage you for every day of 2020 that you would pray for that person to become a Christian. You would pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with that person. And then when we have what I'll call a bridge event, an event that maybe someone wouldn't come necessarily to the Sunday morning service, but they would come to the church picnic or they would come to a bowling night, and maybe you would pray and they would be invited and they would come to something like that. And what about the second card? Well, the second card would be for me to pray for. I would love to join and pray for those three that you have set aside and say, pray that they would come to Christ. Our staff gets together at 8 o'clock in the mornings, and we pray. We pray for you when there's a crisis. We pray for our church family. I think it would be wise for us to pray over these cards. I I love our CR deacons. Hey, let's, let's take a stack of cards before our meeting starts, and let's pray over these, or the Wednesday night gathering, the circle of prayer, to be able to pray over these. 
Would God not answer some of those? Let's do that together. Number nine, I'm almost done, is a former group to investigate implementing an elder-led church government. This is something that I've, I've attempted to try to keep before you. I'm not trying to ram anything. For some, this makes sense. For some, I imagine there's question marks. But it seems to me it, it would be wise to have a group of people to come together. And, and why don't study that? What would that look like? What would elders do at Highland Crest? What would the elders having them, what would be the impact on, on our current deacons or our committee system? How would we provide training for the elders? How, how would this change our church constitution? What would a, a roadmap or what would a schedule look like to implement this? It seems like it's time to at least consider that ball and start moving that along and, and see where the Lord would lead us. And then number 10, participate in a worship service with other churches. And I'm around, I just realized that we're not the only ones doing this. This is not the only church that shares the gospel. I was in a church last Sunday on the other side of town, a sister church, where I heard wonderful preaching. Praise the Lord. And it's possible we could have that list of three names and we would pray for them, and, and we'd share the gospel. And you know what? They end up at Bethel, or Graceway, or, or Jacob's Well. And you know what I say to that? Hallelujah. Amen? Praise the Lord. May God reach those people. But is there a way that we can partner with other churches? In fact, this is already taking place. Our youth in the fall got together with another youth group at Bay City for, for an event. What a, what a wonderful evening they had. In January, this month, and in the spring, the follow, our church, Highland Crest, will be partnering with Bethel, with Graceway, as well as Jacob's Well, to minister to the Transformation House. There will be a group from Highland Crest that goes on one Wednesday night, and a group from other churches that will go on other Wednesday nights. So we're already kind of doing this. I just wonder, would that be demonstrated in actually doing a service where we would have a couple of churches gathered together, maybe on a Good Friday, or maybe during Thanksgiving week. I just want to put that out there. I think that would be wonderful for us to realize that we're not in this alone. Now, as I wrap this up, I'm sensitive to this, that many of you are serving in our church, and you are in a particular ministry, and you are passionate about that ministry, and I haven't hit on that in these ten. It could be the children, it could be the students, it could be XYZ, it could be the truckers ministry, and you're like, man, we didn't make the top ten. And just, please don't be offended by that. This is my top ten, all right? These are the things that I wanted to bring before you. And I know the heart, I think, of so many of you, you come to me and say, Chad, if there's anything I can do, would you please let me know? Well, can I, can I follow up with that? Would you look over this list? And would you pray? And are, are there some things here for you? I'm not asking you to do anything that God might not put on your heart. But are you currently right now in a small group? You, that would bless me if you would participate in that. As you, as you consider, have, have you been baptized? That would bless me. It, it would bless the Lord. Don't do it for me, don't, but, but, but do it as an obedience to the Lord. Has God put it on your heart 
to help people. And you just want to be equipped further to do that. And this idea of the biblical counseling training is at the minimum worth investigating for you. I just ask you to just pray through this. Next Sunday, come, having three names in mind. And then would you be faithful to pray for them? And as the Lord leads, would you be faithful to to share the gospel with them? Thank you for just letting me share, letting you share my heart with you on these things. And it's very possible that there's some things that I shared here that have some follow-up questions. And as I've done, I think, throughout this time, I want to be available to you, and I get emails from you, and you come by and visit, and, and I want to continue to do that if there's something that I could clarify for you in this. Let's pray together. Father, thank you uh, for giving us a chance to be together here. And, and I realize that there is something a little different about this morning, but I pray that there would be some, some clarity and, and laying some of these things out. And, and, and with that, some excitement of saying, I, I can see where I, I fit right here. I, I, I can be a part of this. And would you take your spirit and apply that in that situation? In Jesus' name, amen.